0: Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. I'm always excited to talk to former players and see where they are in their career, see our, where they are in life, and I've had a few of those guys on here recently. Uh, Kyle Ordzanski, who's the passing game coordinator at Finley. I have Chris Herman, who uh, started his own company where he's providing some services for coaches. And Mike Stacchiati, who is the head strength coach at Pitt. And it's always fun not just to see where these guys are going and what football has done for them, but for these guys, it's the innovation, right? I think we're in such a unique time. These guys go out and start to learn things and bring some innovation back to what they're doing. And that's true of today's guests. Joe Casper, who is now assistant quarterbacks coach at Duke. Uh, when he was with us at Baldwin Wallace, he was a safety for us. And he's going to share with us his journey through football and some of the things he's working on. And, and there's some really exciting stuff and work that he's doing as well. So, Joe, it's great to have you here on the podcast.
1: Thanks, Keith. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, thinking back to my days as uh, a safety of Baldwin Wallace, I, uh, I, I really never envisioned myself sticking in this profession for so long, but I've had such a great experience and I've uh, been around so many great people, yourself included that have continued my, uh, my motivation and my passion for this sport. So I'm excited to be able to, to share some of that with you.
0: Absolutely. Now, Joe, as I said, was a safety, so he was, uh, not on the same side of the ball, but, uh, one thing I would always do, and I don't know, Joe, we had probably what, about 140, 150 guys on, on the roster, uh, through the time you were at BW?
1: Yeah, probably, probably about, probably about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's, I mean, it is, it's a big roster and you know, when we would warm up, um, there'd always be some pre-practice stuff. And then the defense would run in from the one end zone. We'd run in from the other at the 50, it'd be looking at each other. And, uh, I would always utilize that time. To go over to the other side and walk around and talk to the defensive guys, and it was it was only ten minutes every day, but when you think about that, um, you know, I was I was calculating this in my mind. I really believe in that in that period, Joe. That uh, warm up, I, I always and it's it's a pet peeve of mine, and I'm sure there's coaches out there who do this. I just really think you're wasting an opportunity if you're out there throwing the ball around or BSing with the other coaches, and you're not there building relationship and yet it might be a few minutes at a time uh, but I added it up and you figure 26 opportunities before the season you figure about 40 practices during a 10 week you know those 10 minutes that's like 660 minutes so you know what does that that break down to in, in hours 10 11 hours something like that um of just building relationships a few minutes at a time. And that's kind of how I got to know you and anybody else on defense is I would just walk over and hey Joe, what's going on today? What do you think about this or that? And and uh so it's I think it's unique that I didn't have the opportunity to coach you directly, but uh you know, through this game we've been able to build that relationship, stay in touch and uh Joe, I can tell you it's just uh it's a thrill to see all the things you are doing, to see you grow in this profession, and and I agree, I wasn't sure you would stick with it. And I think I ran into you at at AFCA. I, I didn't even know you were at Duke, so I was so excited to to see you there. And um, it's just been great to um, be able to to see some of the things that you're doing now, Joe.
1: Well, I'll tell you this: you know, it's a lot easier to talk to a guy like me that pre-practice than it is like a guy like Stack So if you can have Stack on this podcast and you can have me on this podcast, then you, you, you must've done something right. Because I think Stack came with a few more, few more curse words than I did. Uh, he's a little bit more hostile than I was, but, um, no, it's, it's appreciative. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super appreciative of the opportunity to be here. Like I said, and, um, you know, I, I, I look back on that and I laugh because it's, uh, it, it, it It's so funny how how this game works and and you touched on it already with the relationship piece i mean whether it be coaches to players or or players to players or coaches to coaches it's it's so critical that time where you are warming up uh as a team is is one of the most um most special moments i believe for a player and for a coach and i and I would quickly interject and this this probably won't be the the cornerstone piece to this talk, but if you were to ask any of the And you touched on my time at Duke. So my first two years at Duke, I worked with the cornerbacks and in the secondary. Um, And probably the most important time of the week, I believe, and if any of my guys listen to this will be able to tell you, the most important time of the week to me is that time pregame warming up and what gets said between a player, a position coach player uh, to a player in his room. And uh, no matter where that guy falls on your depth chart, I think that is some of the most meaningful conversation uh, that happens in a week because it's truly the last word that gets sent to the player before he, he really has to lock in on what he's doing. Um, And and I know we're going to talk a lot about mindset and and some different things uh, as it pertains to that in this conversation, but I I, I want, I don't want to miss the opportunity to touch on that final word being so important and not from a motivation sense, um, but from a, a, a sense of love and a sense of understanding that, you know, I'm with you and I'm here with you. And and to give that player the confidence in, in what is, you know, his last moments before he has to go to battle, that somebody here, no matter how hostile the environment is, no matter who the opponent is, no matter what happens in the heat of the battle, that somebody has his back. And if that's the lasting impression that you can leave on a player, I think that that's Probably, uh, I don't. Not probably. That is the most important conversation I have with a player uh, before the game begins. So, uh, those opportunities, those hours that you're talking about, those minutes, seconds, hours, th- those add up real time, and and it can be just as influential in a practice, especially relative to what you know players are going through in, in their personal life, and now more than ever, whether it be academically. Um, and I've been fortunate to be at Duke university and John Carroll university before this, which are two outstanding academic, uh, institutions, but also come with a great deal of pressure, uh, on the player. And, um, I think that, uh, I think that that, that said, you know, it's important that you really do everything you can do as a coach to relate to these guys on, on every level and, and within every opportunity that you have.
0: Yeah, it's a huge part of just building that culture within your team. You know, like I said, I didn't have the opportunity really to coach you. I, I might have borrowed you on special teams. I can't remember. I don't know if you were good enough to uh, be on the kick return team. Well, I, team.
1: Caught bun- I caught a bunch. I caught a bunch of your guys' passes, so I don't know what you know. You, I you. you, uh, you sh- you might not have had the opportunity to coach me, but i can, I could promise you there was a couple of curse words you said towards me, so we're we're all good i, I we're all good
0: oh yeah, and you you i mean always constantly <laughs> running your mouth, yeah no, I remember yeah. <laughs> but uh you know the that all of that you know what you' what we're talking about here goes into building culture and you know and we'll we'll get into that a little bit i mean you're in part of you're part of an incredible culture at uh Duke, and you know we had coach. Uh, Guerrero on your defensive coordinator talking about some of those things, so um, we'll get into that. But you know, for you in, in remembering this, and you can fill in some of these gaps for me. But I know, uh, you know, Baldwin Wallace uh, just love the place. Uh, I, I'm I'm uh, an alum myself. The opportunities there are incredible, um, especially some of those internships and the people that they put you in touch with. So you go down the block from campus and you're in the Browns building, and I know um, for you there was that, uh, you know, that moment where you contemplated maybe stepping away from your senior year of football to get that opportunity with the Browns, but ultimately you did play, Um, yet at the same time you had some incredible experiences there that I think started to kick this off. And I I mean, we might even want to step back because I know I'm 100% positive Coach Triv at, at Mentor had a big influence on you as well.
1: Yeah. So I, I would, so you're a hundred percent right. It was a, it was a really interesting journey. I, um, I was, uh, started out in football. My first job in football was a summer intern with the Browns and I was hired by, uh, Steve Garrett. And my role was a special assistant to Rob Jasinski, who was a head coach at the time. Um, and both Steve and Rob were incredible people to work for. Um, and incredible people. I'm, stay in touch with them to this day. Uh, Rob's now at BC and Steve does uh, Steve works for a consulting firm out in Los Angeles. Both are phenomenal. And I was honored to have the opportunity to join those guys. And I I truthfully wish we would have had the opportunity to see that, that whole thing through uh, longer. Um, I started that summer internship really with no intention of working in football. I had every aspiration to go on to law school at some point point. Uh, my summer job that I had lined up was basically back at Mentor High School working as a as an IT guy. So I uh, I actually needed some convincing from my mother to even take advantage of the Browns opportunity because it was questionable as to how much I would get paid and if it would be if it would really be worth my time and driving back and forth from Mentor, um, which is about 45 minutes from Baltimore's campus and subsequently the Browns facility. Um, but I took advantage of the opportunity. I'm extremely grateful that I did uh, at my mother's uh, influence and um, it, it changed my life. You know, I was quickly swept up into um, the football culture and, and really found uh, it really just, you know, it ignited my passion for the sport. Um, and it was a unique opportunity and I just kind of provide some detail to my role Um it was mainly a leadership or special projects-based role, and I worked hand-in-hand hand with our sports psychologist at the time, a guy by the name of uh, James Bell, who's actually in the U.K. Now he just started uh, a business in the U.K. called Changing Minds, which is a um, a sports psychology firm uh, in England, and James Bell knew nothing about football when he came over here. Um, so I was almost assigned in a sense. To be able to educate him on uh, on the game the x's and O's and provide that kind of insight into how he could work with the players from a sports psych standpoint and while assisting Steve and Rob on some different kind of special projects or different research based things um, in a very you know in a very minimal role initially uh, after that first season, my role really expanded as James needed me more in the draft uh, in the draft process and the evaluation process. So we brought on a guy by the name of Brian Decker, who's an uh, ex-Army Ranger. And Brian now uh, is, again, an incredible friend of mine, an incredible mentor, like many of these people are. And myself, Brian, and James um, worked with a sports psychiatrist from the Cleveland Clinic by the name of Dr. Mayor Pandya, who uh, Mayor and I now, as we'll talk about, started a private sports psychiatry firm called Ace Sports Psychiatry. Um, But we worked hand-in-hand uh, in the evaluation process of prospective draft picks, um, and did things like traveled to uh, all star games and East West Shrine Game and the combine, et cetera, um, and really at the at the direction of our our general manager Ray Farmer. Uh, and Ray was an incredible leader and is an incredible friend um, to me, and had a really innovative plan for how we were going to to utilize our understanding of the athlete's mindset and um, our understanding of, of, of sports psychology and our understanding of just, you know, mental toughness. What is mental toughness? What is mental fortitude? What does that process look like? How do we evaluate that process? How do we test for that process? How do we test for intelligence? Um, So at a really young age, I mean, I started at the Browns when I was 20 years old, I was exposed to these, these really advanced, uh, levels of thinking, and, and believe me, I, I'm a hundred percent. I still am, and I, I was then the dumbest guy in the room. Um, but it I was an incredible opportunity as a really just a sponge to soak up all this information, uh, and, and it was life changing. In that, regardless of my staying in this field or not, um, it was an incredible insight into how high achievers think, and um, I apply those lessons that I learned in that experience directly to how I coach now directly to how I evaluate high school players as a college coach directly to how I, I talk to players that I work with through ACE. Um, you know, it, it, it all pertains, that kind of laid the foundation for for my thinking and my thought process uh, as the season continued. And I don't mean to drone on, but I think it's important to, to link it to coaching um, because I wasn't convinced that I wanted to be a coach or remain in the coaching realm until I met this next guy. And, that next guy who I started to help out and work with on the coaching side of things was a coach by the name of Wilbert Montgomery and Wilbert Montgomery is an absolute, uh, you know, second father figure to me. Uh, Wilbert is my mentor. He's, uh, one of my greatest friends on this earth. Uh, Wilbert Montgomery, uh, I can't thank him enough for the impact he's had take football out of it. The impact that he's had on my life has been immense. Um, but working with him is what ignited my passion for coaching And with that said, everything that I've done from a coaching element, um, you know, is attributed to Wilbert. If I have an issue, if I have a problem, if I see something and I don't understand what it is or don't know what to call something, my first call a hundred percent of the time is to Wilbert Montgomery. And he always answers the phone. That guy is, is my, I would go to the end of the earth for Wilbert. And he's the guy that really ignited my passion for coaching. Um, and took me under his wing while I was in the Browns facility and, and, and really that, that was the, uh, those are the, he laid out the coordinates and I'm still, I'm still on that path of getting where I want to get to um, in, in, in many, many ways. But it, I attribute it to him uh, primarily And guys, like I said, guys like Brian Decker, guys like James Bell, Steve Garrett, Rob Chizinski, incredible guys to work with that really helped shape this, this opportunity. And I'd be remiss as well, if I didn't say give credit to the people at and Wallace, because BW had a huge impact in facilitating the opportunity. We talked about the geographically where BW is located in relation to the Browns facility. I mean, it's their practice field backs up to BW's practice field. So, uh, Coach John Snell and uh, Dean of Students, Dr. Trina Doberstein, were hugely impactful in even presenting this opportunity to join the Browns to me to even getting my foot in the door. And I wasn't even sure I wanted to walk through the door at the time, but to even get me in to that door, uh, was really, 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 really cool and, and great of them. Um, and, and I owe them a lot as well. So, uh, it, it's been an interesting, an interesting, interesting journey. Um, and a really, you know, I, I think that to me, to my benefit, it's been a well-rounded experience because what I hope I showed and kind of summing up that initial phase of my journey in this sport is, it, is I was able to tap into a lot of different roles within the organization that I still keep in mind, whether I'm coaching with the quarterbacks now, coaching with the cornerbacks last year, whether I'm working with a guy with a sports psych, any of these different things, I'm still tapping back to those resources, whether it was Rob as the head coach. How did he think of a problem? How did he think of a solution? Whether it was uh, Brian Decker as as a personnel strategist, how did he evaluate? How did he determine mental fortitude, look for leadership, facilitate leadership? How did Wilbert Montgomery, how does Wilbert Montgomery identify this front? How does Wilbert Montgomery identify this coverage? What's the tip or tell in what they're doing here? So all these different all these different people that I connected with early on within the first 365 days that I'm in the profession um, have directly impacted me uh, to this day, and it's the fact that I was just, uh, afforded those opportunities. It's an incredible blessing because I'm able to see now. I don't just approach problems from the perspective of the position coach or from the perspective of the sports psychologist or the perspective of the scout. I approach problems from the perspective of everybody, mindful of what the head coach thinks, mindful of what the coordinator might think, what the position coach might think, what the general manager might think. Um, And and that's to those people's credit. And I want to be clear, you know, the organization has not been extremely successful in terms of wins and losses on the field when I was there and, and up until this point, but there are so many great people that work in that building uh, who really, really get it, who really get it. Still to this day, John frame is an incredible, uh, incredible asset to the Cleveland Browns organization. Their trainer, Joe Sheehan. I mean, these are guys that really get it, you know, and the the culture, the Building blocks are there in many ways. Um, it's just putting those building blocks together that, you know, maybe a false note here or there has, has created issues, but the the, op- the, the opportunity is real. So, so that organization, although it looks so different from when Ray Farmer was our general manager years and years ago, many of the things that he did facilitated the success that this team's going to have. Uh, what i foresee in having this year or had last year um and and those a lot of those things still hold true so i think it's important to give a lot of a lot of those people credit um because although the outcome hasn't been ideal yet the process in many ways is far from flawed uh at least in in my beliefs
0: well it is all about the process and you've certainly developed uh, a unique lens to view this game through a unique perspective with uh, all the different things you've been involved with. Uh, I want to step back to a part you talked about there because there's, there's more to your story. Cause after this, you actually uh, went back to the high school level, but um, we'll get into yeah. a little bit of this progression. So I want to talk to you about um, what you guys developed from that, mindset standpoint that you started looking for as you were going out and scouting players and stuff that, as you said, even now you look for it in a potential recruit. What, what are some of those things, I guess, some of those indicators you have for whether this guy is going to work in your program or not?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. I think that, you know, what's unique about that question is you really have to be mindful of each player's background, where they come from, and how that affects their ability to look towards their future, right? So when you're speaking about mindset, you've got to have a, got to begin to have an understanding of how those things are, how the experiences that player went through impact their future and then impact their development. So I say that because I want to be clear that I don't think that having pain in somebody's past, you know, an easy indicator is somebody's. Deal dealt with a great struggle or a great tragedy maybe or something of that of that uh intensity and it spurred this you know motivation and it spurred this uh, drive towards success and that's a that's usually a pretty you can usually find that as an indicator with a lot of athletes, especially at the highest level of they've had this awful experience maybe, and it's turned into uh, this great, you know, a great source of strength and a great energy source for them to draw from as it pertains to motivation and drive. But, you know, having pain and having uh, experiencing those things, you know, pain is not a prerequisite to success. Anybody who believes that pain or, or struggle is necessarily a prerequisite to success, is flawed. Um, there is inherently a journey that you go through, but I'm not of the belief that you need to, you need to have these, these awful tragedies or awful things happen to you or experience this great deal of pain. That pain is not a prerequisite for success. So you've got to just have an understanding of what does the, what, what impact does the experiences have on the player and how do those, How do those experiences then translate into sustainable growth? And how do you find a sustainable growth mindset? Um, And you've got to have a great personal understanding. That's why it's so important um, to coach the people that are getting the information. So the scouts on the ground level, what is the information that they're dealing with? What is the information they're getting back? How good is their relationship with the college coach, with the high school coach, to have a, to, with the parent? Is there, what's the background here? Um, and we've got to be able to apply that background and then project that background. I think that's huge. I think the second piece, too, that can't be discounted, because I'm somebody that, that wants to measure things. My cousin is the director of uh, research and development with the Seattle Seahawks, Patrick, Patrick Ward, and he would quite frankly say basically the first part of what I said to you as it pertains to gaming intangible information. He would discount a lot of that because he's somebody that's really interested in tangible information. What can I measure and how can I turn those measurements into a projection? Um, you have to still find things that you can tangibly measure, and that 's easier to do within a within a NFL team structure than it is at the college level uh, at the college level you're you 're mainly going off of intangibles you have much less tangible information as it pertains to mindset uh, at the college level um, you know tangibly at the NFL level, we would do things uh, without getting into boring you with too many details you know different testing elements that Help determine mental fortitude. Uh, different testing elements that help determine, uh, you know, speed of processing. Those are those are key things that um, can provide a number to a way a guy thinks. And th- that's really the second the second piece to understanding uh, a player's mindset uh, in some sense.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. We might have to get into those on, a, on another episode completely. Um, but I guess getting back to uh, and and thank you for sharing those, but getting back to, uh, this progression for you as a coach. So, uh, you go from the Browns then to high school football.
1: Yeah. So I go, I go, uh, after my incredible experience with the Browns, um, I, I, I decide that I'm probably best suited to still try and go to law school. So I begin taking some of these law school prep courses and, uh, um, I started coaching with coach Trivasano, who I played for at Mentor high school uh, in Mentor, Ohio. And uh, coach Triv and I maintain an extremely close relationship. He's my golfing buddy. Now he's my golfing coach really now, uh, but uh, you know, he took me in as a, as a high school coach, really just to help on the side. Uh, and um, as I was taking these prep courses and it, it, I just got hooked, you know, I, I got, further hooks you know every every it was I would spend more time worrying about high school football and thinking about schemes and watching film than I would on my prep courses so the passion that I had that I thought I could step away from with the conclusion of of my role at the browns uh you know the passion didn't die so uh I was fortunate to maintain that maintain a role as the as a coach on, on coach Trib's staff Uh, for two seasons and it was an incredible experience and it was a great second piece to, to, to my experience, because as a high school coach, two things happen. One, uh, you have to solve every problem on your own. So there's not a team to be able to help you solve problems anymore. And within that you have to innovate, which is why I still talk to as many high school coaches as I can um, because I'm looking for different ways to innovate, whether it be with a drill, whether it be with a scheme, whether it be with, uh, a- anything, how to motivate a player, any element of it. Um, I'm always trying to connect with high school coaches because I know they're solving problems real time on their own, um, without the help of, uh, immense resources or a team around them or a sports psychologist, a tra- a, a great trainer, uh, a, a sports psychiatrist, a general manager, they're trying to solve these things on their own. And then the second piece that was incredible of incredible value to me at Mentor was coach Trib allowing me to have the freedom to chart my own course a lot in a lot of ways um, in terms of what I wanted to coach and how I wanted to coach it. And he has always been coach Trib's best thing. And, and he's, just retired from coaching at Mentor high school and has taken advantage of an opportunity to consult with another high school team in his retirement. Um, coach driven a phenomenal, is a phenomenal CEO. He has a great understanding of how to move the pieces on the chessboard better than maybe almost any other coach I've been around. Um, and his understanding of how to not only motivate the players, but motivate the coaches and facilitate opportunities for those coaches is is, is the best. Some of the I, I would put it up against anybody. Um, you know, his ability to do that facilitated my ability to then develop and grow as a coach, and it was it was extremely valuable um, for us as a as a as a team at Matter High. You know, football is very important to Matter High School it's um it's it needs to remain important to menor high school now with coach matt gray as the head coach who has facilitated uh, this, a lot of the same opportunities thanks to coach triv as i was and coach gray's done a phenomenal job coordinating the offense there um at menor and will do a phenomenal job as the head coach um it is a huge piece and this isn't the topic of this talk but again something that i don't want to miss an opportunity to stress High school football in general, but high school football, matter high school, as I've seen it, and that's the only high school program I've been a part of, is such a huge piece to the culture of the school. It is a cornerstone piece to the culture of that school. Um, It is one of the best things that that school does, and the investment in that program can never be lessened whether that be from administrators, whether that be from taxpayers, whatever, you know, the sources of revenue and the sources of, of, uh, excuse me, the sources of funding to that program uh, are essential because it has a huge impact on the culture of the school. And I'm I'm a product of that. Uh, And many of my friends are a product of that. My friend who's uh, serves in the military as a product of that. My friend who's a police officer is a product of that. My friend who's a physical therapist is a product of that. The lessons that we learned through that program were way more impactful than the lessons I ever learned in a classroom ever. And I, and Keith, I was somebody, I, I was a 4.0 student in high school, a 4.0 student in college. It, I was somebody who took academics extremely, extremely seriously. I learned more on that football field with coach Trivisano as a player and as a coach than I ever learned in any classroom at Mentor High or in any classroom at Baldwin-Wallace. I'll be honest. And I had great professors at Baldwin-Wallace too. I don't want to take away from their impact on my life either. But I think it's important to note the the importance of high school football culturally uh, for players, for young people is essential. And it's scary when you think about COVID-19 and everything that's happening in the and the possible uh, direction that programs are going to have to go into. It's incredibly scary just as an engaged individual to think about what young people are going to do growing up with, without that possible experience. To me, uh, it, I just, I can't, uh, I can't imagine not having that experience in my life. I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I'm at now or even feel uh, good about myself. If I didn't have that experience, it was that important to me. And I hope that's not lost on the people there or anywhere.
0: No, it's, so important joe and i'm I'm glad you did bring it up i mean you know we we uh always get excited about those guys who go on to do big things and and play big time college football and play in the nfl Uh, but you know the the percentage of those guys is so small yet when you talk about how the game impacts you know other people you know like a a joe casper a safety running a 5040 um you know whoa (laughs) i thought it would slip Easy. that by it i mean <laughs> we won't get into uh the tangible tangibles of joe casper's speed in this in this podcast that's a conversation for another time <laughs> but but that's the point a conversation
1: <laughs> for any podcast i'm gonna be on i promise you that you, know, you count me off for that podcast
0: joe joe it's not on a podcast we, but we we talked about it all the time um <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, I mean, you know, in, in all seriousness, the importance of this game, and I know everybody is doing everything they can, uh, at least from the coach's side, to to find a way to get this season going, because there's there's so much more that happens in this game than uh, just the same things that you see on Friday night, and I think you're a, a prime example of that. So um, we'll move on to the dark ears. Um, you went to John Carroll. <laughs> and in all seriousness, John Carroll, <clears throat> an intense rival of BWs. Uh, we'd always play for the Gold Bulge Trophy, two Cuyahoga County teams, just uh, a half hour apart or so. So just an incredible rivalry. But actually, I think a lot of respect um, you know, between the players and coaches of both programs. Just great people. Uh, so I could certainly see why you would uh, head over to John Carroll. And, and that, I think... Kind of is is the place that was a, a bit of a springboard to some of those things now that uh, you are involved with and doing with uh, Dr. Absolutely. Mayer. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. So I, I, you know, John Carroll was an incredible, incredible springboard. That's a great way to put it. I want to, I want to, don't want to be lost, uh, don't want to lose, and again, don't want to lose an opportunity to. Uh, I have never not held the Gold Bowl trophy. <laughs> so whether I was a player at BW boy. or a coach at John Carroll, I own the rock. And I reminded my players at John Carroll that at all times, but Rick Fennati was, it still is a phenomenal coach at yes. John Carroll. Nick Alexander, who coached with me at Mentor high school at the time. He's now the head coach at Walsh Jesuit uh, high school in, in the Akron area in Northeast Ohio. Again, um, we went to John Carroll together uh, it was a great staff. We were um, coming together in the first season there with Rick. Uh, Rick has done a great job there. He's an incredibly intense coach. Uh, he is somebody that coaches toughness uh, into his players, and it was appreciated. And I was, you know, the the best thing about that experience for me, though, I, I have to say, was the players I worked with. Um, guys that were phenomenal players. I have never been around, and I, I challenge if, if anybody I coach now listens to this or anybody I know this is the hungriest hungriest position group I've ever been a part of. Was at John Carroll University, uh, Brian Kornowski, Willie Woods, Eddie Williamson. Those are guys that if you're listening from the local Northeast Ohio area, you will recognize those names. Those are all conference OAC type players who were the hungriest group I've ever been around. And I think, like I've said, you know, as we're talking, you know, the, I've pulled little things from each experience that I've had. Um and, and you know, those guys showed me how hard you can push a player. <laughs> they showed me how hard you can push guys. I can remember uh, there isn't a there isn't a catch that Brian Kornowski made in practice that he didn't finish through the goal line, and if somebody else didn't finish through the goal line, he challenged them directly on the practice field. He is the most intense football player I've ever coached, and at the same token, the leadership and influence that other veterans on that team had, like Eddie, like Willie Woods, guys that I still, I make a point when we're on break from Duke, and our break was was a little bit abbreviated this year, and I still had the opportunity to do it, was I make a point to go out to eat with those guys every single summer because they had that much impact on me. So Brian, Willie, and Eddie and I, we just met up uh, a few weeks back, actually, to grab dinner, um, and I still draw lessons from them. And we still cut it up about what happened that season and what went well and what didn't go well and ways that we could have been better or ways that they could have been better or, and ultimately ways I could have coached them better. That those guys were, were phenomenal players. And, you know, I think it's important, at least to me, it's important. I don't want to, I don't want to sound at all. I don't mean that don't take this the wrong way or take this from a place of arrogance. It's not, but I think the after action report that you have as a coach with players is critical I, I, and that's after action as it pertains to a season that's after action as it pertains to a, uh, 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 leaving one destination and going to another. One of the big things that I'm a proponent of, and we did a great job of starting to get into, uh, at John Carroll was a player development plan process. And that's something that we had uh, utilized at the Cleveland Browns really well. Um, and that's an understanding of a way to get a player and a coach on the same page, uh, in terms of their skills, where their skills lie, where their motivations lie, where their head is at, where their body is at, um, and getting the player and the coach on the same page of where one sees one another, and it's a great conversation facilitator, and it's a great evaluation piece, right? You know, if I've got a bunch of players that have a a great a great deal of uh, competitive edge, like I had at John at John Carroll, but maybe are lacking in the classroom, and they know, but they don't see it that way. We need to come to, we need to have a conversation and find a way to relate on how we can be better in the classroom or how we can be better from a, a tactical understanding of our skills on the field. So that's a pretty direct, direct example of a, of a way that, that John Carroll helped me. Um, and then the second part to John Carroll, really, that can't be, cannot be, should not be lost on anybody is their, their network is phenomenal. I can't tell you, like, I went to the Senior Bowl as a coach with Duke University. I went to the Senior Bowl and Daniel Jones, our quarterback, a phenomenal player, a phenomenal quarterback for the New York Giants, was at uh, at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, and myself and a couple of uh, my friends that I work with here had gone down there. And I was recognized by more people as Joe Casper, who used to be the receivers coach at John Carroll, than Joe Casper, uh, Duke University. So uh, the network of John Carroll is is outstanding. Um, it's incredibly cool to have even been a it, you know, I, I say that I'm like, I'm not part of the family. I'm not part of the mob officially, but I'm like <laughs> this, I'm the side member because I got, I slipped in for, for a year. So I'm, uh, I'm appreciative of the connections and the opportunities that it's afforded me uh, just from a networking standpoint, but also from the player's standpoint, the players there have a great understanding of the culture of that program. And, uh, I hope that that sustained. It seems like it has been with Rick. I'm sure it will be moving forward, but it was, uh, a great, great experience. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, to be able to transition it to what you were speaking on with what I do, uh, with Dr. Pandya, and we had actually started the process while I was at Mentor high school, but Dr. Pandya uh, created a private sports psychiatry practice, Ace sports psychiatry. Uh, it's located in Beechwood, Ohio. And, uh, Mayor, uh, is, is Dr. Mayor Pandya, And I just call him Mayor because we've been, we've known each other for a while now. Um, Mayor is, uh, is an incredible, um, psychiatrist, but really an incredible friend. And, uh, we did, a did something really cool where we've started this, this private practice called ACE. Uh, and there's two pieces really to the practice. It's ACE sports psychiatry and ACE sports performance. And the, uh, the performance side handles, uh, all of your mindset coaching, your, uh, creating, um, you know, your mindfulness, your competitiveness, understanding your process, um, understanding your energy pie, which is a big piece to what we do, uh, a big piece of our philosophy, um, as an organization. So, yeah, one of the things that sets, uh, Mayur apart, uh, that sets him apart from many other, uh, sports psychologists or mindset coaches is his ability to speak on, um, things from a psychiatric perspective as a sports psychiatrist, as a doctor, as a medical doctor, and not only his understanding of, um, Mindset and psychology, but also his understanding of where this works in the brain and how we're able to understand the medical side of things as it pertains to the athlete. Uh, One of the things I want to stress is um, this is a sports-specific practice, right? So Mayur is specifically trained in working with athletes um, from a psychiatric in the psychiatric realm, which is is really a, a niche market, and within that we've built kind of a secondary market that engages the performance side of things. And, and, you know, I, I mentioned it, but you know, we're not going to obviously not going to disclose who we work with, but we have the privilege of working with a multitude of professional athletes, a multitude of professional teams, uh, actually across all three of the major sports have, uh, contracted with us, uh, major league baseball, the national basketball association and the national football league, um, different organizations, uh, from all over the country, thanks to mayors licensure, have have contracted with us uh, in some form or fashion, and within that practice, we've we've developed a secondary model that that majors in performance. Um, and one of the things that I've done uh, intensely uh, this off season is really develop our performance model as it pertains to the quarterback position. So we're fortunate to have uh, three NFL quarterbacks that we work with really consistently others that we work with on a more part-time basis. Um, But it revolves around not only teaching X's and O's, not only teaching defenses, not only teaching, um, you know, visualization of plays and diagrams and things like that, which is all things we touch on from the performance realm, uh, but also um, mindset and understanding where we devote our our energy pie. And that's a, a big topic for us. And a big piece of our philosophy is energy pie. Where is the where is the, the, the soul of your spirit lie and, and what are you an invest what are you really investing in and how are you making those investments? And these are these are things that we really analyze and help pull out for players. Um, and it, it's been incredibly good work. It has uh, it's been incredibly beneficial. There's a lot of people who uh, um, you know I, I'm, I'm honored to work with. I really am uh, a lot of great athletes that I hope we've made some great strides with um, I hope we'll continue to make some great strides with, uh, I I would, I would say that, you know, to me, it's extremely rewarding work. Um, and it's rewarding because you're able to see these guys who are the best at what they do, um, in the 1% of what they do, and they're still striving for more and they're so locked in to understanding how they can maximize their mind, um, and and I can tell you from being a coach, from being in the from sitting in the in the office until 1 a.m. I know you had Matt Guerrero on this talk. Matt knows that I'm a guy who's I'd rather get in early as opposed to stay late. Matt'll just stay late. Yeah. He'll stay there all night if you let him. Yeah. But it, it's uh, it, it it's you know you as a coach, I really believe that you have to be able to remove yourself from that meeting room and be able to step inside the mind of a player. And that's really where you make an impact in many, many ways. Not so much on what you're going to call on first and second down, more about how you can really impact the soul of the player. And that's one of the things that we really emphasize within ACE is trying to fill that void really that players may feel that they're they're lacking because of their their current coaching um, in some sense. Uh, But also just because they need they need the personal attention that sometimes the coaches, by the nature of our sport, can't always give them. So I'm fortunate to kind of work in both those realms. uh, And I try and again, I I, both those realms bleed over for me. You know, I bring an understanding of the coach's perspective to the player when I'm working one on one with them. I bring an understanding of the of the uh, the player's perspective and the mindset and soul of the player as as a as a coach. So um, I think that, you know, again, the one thing I hope I hope gets conveyed is it's whatever level you're on as a coach, whatever your experiences are, it's all about maintaining a degree of well-roundedness. And I've just been extremely blessed to continue to to develop in a way that is well-rounded, in my opinion, um, from an understanding of, you know, what goes into all the different buckets that are important to players.
0: Yeah, your 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 path, I think, is a little bit different than uh, what I hear from with a, a lot of GAs. You've been able to get into some very unique areas. That I think that are going to make a difference, and you are seeing make a difference already in your career. And I want to get back, and I got a couple questions for you on mindfulness and and energy pie. But uh, I kind of want to finish up before we go into those uh, a little bit of your journey there. So so uh, you went from John Carroll now to Duke, and I know. Duke, there's been that transition. You were in at the DB's coach. In fact, did a great um, uh, clinic talk uh, on the virtual summit about the techniques that uh, you utilize in in man coverage um, in, in the cheetah technique. But you see, now you went from DB's, you are working with Coach Cutcliffe now and the quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, so that's been an incredible... So I, I left John Carroll... Um, after a season and, and joined Matt Carreri. So Matt is our defensive coordinator here at Duke. He had just been named uh, the defensive coordinator when I, I left to join him. Uh, I had met Matt actually kind of on a whim visiting Duke University when I was um, visiting, actually intending to visit North Carolina uh, to hang with Mitch Trubisky many years back. Mitch is a close personal friend of mine. Um, and uh, I had gone down to visit him and by happenstance had, had, uh, had an encounter with Matt at Duke and we had stayed in touch. Um, and he is a, 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 it was a great experience, you know, getting to know him and, and working with him last year uh, on, on defense with, with, uh, with us here at Duke. Um, and then my transition over to offense has really begun this year uh, with coach Cutcliffe and there's nobody better to work for than coach Cutcliffe. Uh, he's somebody who has, Such a you know I talked earlier about Coach Trevisano's understanding as a CEO of a corporation. Um, Coach Cutcliffe is in that in that same mindset of understanding um, you know the elements of what it takes to run not only a a football team but really run a company, really run an organization. And the unique part about Coach Cut is he has this great detailed understanding of what goes into the technical elements of playing the quarterback position um, and. You know, I'm sure everyone on this talk has an understanding of Coach Cutcliffe's resume from Peyton Manning to Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. Um, and that's a, you know, there's many others in there. Heath Shuler, uh, you know, there, uh, Sean Renfrey, there's many, many others who've, who've been able to make it and excel within the National Football League as well, that he's been a huge piece of, of their mentorship and their process. Um, so for me, as somebody who played defensive back, worked on the defensive side, was fortunate to bounce between offense and defense, coaching receivers at John Carroll, and obviously uh, working with Wilbert Montgomery with the Cleveland Browns. I've had this opportunity my whole career of being able to go back and forth between offense and defense, uh, never getting a chance to work with the quarterbacks. So to now have the opportunity to work with them and do it under the uh, uh, under the uh, wing of Coach Cutcliffe is you know it's 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 an incredible experience that I'm that I'm excited about I'm I'm in the midst of it now and I'm I'm thrilled uh thrilled with with the progress I've made as a coach I'm thrilled with the the uh strides we've made as a as a position room and as a program I, I think that he's such an incredible teacher and an incredible um molder of of an entire offensive philosophy you know coach cut um is is taken you know in the in the shifting of the uh, this off season and the kind of the the job changes and, and whatever have you within the networking of college football coach Cutcliffe has taken back over uh, the controls of, of our offense here at Duke and he is uh, you know just a, a, an incredible mind I mean it, it, like I said you don't have to I'm sure everyone on this call or everyone on this talk has a great understanding of his resume it, it goes without without being said how invaluable he, he can be to a football program. So we're, we're thrilled about it. And me personally just getting to sit in the, in the room and, and hopefully absorb via osmosis one one-hundredth of his intelligence will go uh, an incredibly long way for me. So I'm excited to, to get to, to, to hang with him every day and, and get his,
0: uh,
1: get, gain some of his insights.
0: Well, it's interesting, Joe, the, the things you're bringing into that room. Um, and I did say I had a, a couple questions for you and um, just to see the evolution of this, uh, of what you're doing and, and now working with quarterbacks and probably a position that in all of sports uh, has the most stress on uh, the mindset that goes along with it. All right? Being able to focus and uh, direct things the right way and, and block out all the different noise. So I'm sure you're bringing a lot Uh, To the table there. Uh, But let's start with that idea of mindfulness. It's something, you know, in this particular year, I think I started studying this uh, right at the end of 2019 and getting into it a little bit more and understanding how um, being able to uh, focus better and in a day and age where there's all kinds of distractions, um, and it really doesn't matter the job you're doing, it just helps you. Uh, for lack of better words i think if if you understand how to control mindfulness you can really get into the zone uh, with quotation marks around it there but talk to us a little bit about your work with mindfulness and what you feel is most important to athletes or um even the quarterback
1: yeah no i think that that's a that's a great question i think it's you know it's funny because so many people you know, mindfulness is a loaded term and it's become a very sexy term recently in sports and in, and in you know, business and in different, uh, you know, different business opportunities. Everybody wants to be higher functioning. Everybody wants to be better at what they're doing in most cases. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't have hired that person. Coach Cutcliffe wouldn't have hired me as a coach if he didn't have some understanding that I wanted to be, continue to grow and be better. Uh, mindfulness is a, is kind of a, the way that people have um, tried to expand their, you know, you've tried, a lot of people have tried to expand their understanding of mindfulness in such a sense that um, how can I be better at what I do? Uh, I think that what's lost in that is sometimes you need to do less. You know, what you need is actually a clearer head. You need less thinking as opposed to more thinking in many ways Um, or more deliberate thinking as opposed to uh, putting, just adding, more to your plate you need to be more mindful of what 's on your plate so uh, i 'll start with I 'll start in that realm uh, as it pertains to your question because it speaks directly to to our philosophy as an organization with ace uh, and it speaks directly to how I how I coach uh, to this day which is an understanding of a player's energy pie everybody has an energy pie um, and energy pie philosophy uh, for myself and for mayor revolves around um, a great understanding of where our focus is, where is the, where is the, you know, I said it, the phrase earlier, the, the, the soul of our spirit, where where does it really lie? Um, and what are we really thinking about in a given moment? Am I thinking about, you know, am I locked into this call with you, Keith, or am I thinking about uh, the meeting this afternoon? Or am I thinking about the, uh, the uh, breakfast I just had? Or am I thinking about the, you know, what's, what, when am I going to get my workout in? how locked in mentally is our focus in a given moment um, to the topic at hand and, uh, and truly how locked in is it and how much energy is it drawing from us? Right. So I think that, that can't be, that, that's really the, the key piece to it is I need to have an understanding of, of what, what is this, where am I investing this energy because everybody has X percentage, everybody has X, energy in their life. Okay. And, you know, our, our theory revolves around the fact that if you understand that everyone has X amount of energy in their life, okay, you need to be aware of where are you investing that energy and, um, how much is is that investment taking away from other realms? Okay. And that investment, you know, if your investments are out of whack, you're not going to be making much money as an investor in the financial world. So we want to make sure that your investments are are aligned with where you want to get to and where you want to be. And one of the first things we always do is we want to challenge you to gain an understanding of what do you want to really accomplish? Who do you really want to be? What is your identity? You know, you have to be honest about what your identity is as a player, as a coach, as a CEO. What is your identity? We need to understand where we want to get to. And then we want to, then from there, we'll shape our energy pie. If I want to be a great football coach, well, that's going to affect my energy pie as it pertains to ever being a, a father and a husband, without question. You know, it's work-life balance is something we, that gets discussed all the time in football uh, as it pertains to hours in the office. Well, you have to understand that within this realm, if you want to be the best football coach you can be, that you're going to sacrifice an element of your energy pie to coaching that, that your friend who you grew up with, is not going to have to sacrifice and his energy pie is going to be more de- more devoted to being a great husband and a great father Now, that's not to say that you can't be both but you have to have an understanding where if you want to be both then maybe you can't devote the energy pie to going to golf with your buddies on the weekend you know and that's kind of a, a very rudimentary example but energy pie can is is an is an understanding of distractions it's an understanding of positive and negative distractions there's positive distractions and negative distractions. Um, and it's all in, in concert with an understanding of where do I want to get to? Who do I want to be? What's my identity? What, what, is, what do I want to see when I look in the mirror? And where am I going to invest that soul of my spirit at? And sometimes, like I said, you know, the second piece to this is sometimes it's, it's not about thinking more. Sometimes it's oftentimes about thinking less and allowing for less distractions. And, and we work on, you know, different things like meditation and, you know, uh, elements like that, that hopefully bring about a quiet mind, because what you don't want to do is have this distracted mind that is, when you're, when you're distracted, you're devoting energy to a multitude of different places. And what happens is, is that you're worried about this over there, this over there, and, and you're not focused on the task at hand. It's taking away from your focus on the task at hand. Uh, whether you realize it or not. And I think the interesting thing, and this is the, this is where it usually clicks in for players, is when I say, you know, you don't realize it, but the fight that you had with your wife this morning when you left to go to the stadium, you know, you're not thinking about that on, on third and seven, but that fight that you had impacted the, the outcome of this third and seven. It 100% impacted the outcome of this third and seven because – what happened is, is you devoted X number of percentage of your energy pie to that fight this morning. And you've lost that percentage now as it pertains to this third and seven. Now, is it a huge percentage? Maybe not. Everybody's energy pie is different, but it, it's, it's been invested and it's gone. You've lost it. So you, what we strive to do is gain an understanding of where does all those percentages lie and have an understanding of where that, where that is big picture wise for you. Um, And how does that align with where you want to get to? And we think by being aware of that. So when we talk about mindful, it's about being aware of your energy and aware of your investment. And it it is an interaction to interaction, situation to situation uh, awareness. And the pie is really a symbol. The essence of calling it a pie is a symbol in that once you take cut out a piece of your pie, that, that piece of pie is served. It's gone, you know, and also a finality to it. It, everybody, every, you're going to run out of slices of your pie at some point, And then you're going to be out of energy. You know, it, 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 we don't have endless energy as athletes. We don't have en- endless energy as coaches. Um, and we've got to be aware of, of this, of this, uh, what we do have. And there are ways, um, you know, and we'll, we could touch on this in a later, at a later date, there are ways to grow your pie. There are ways that to remove, the anchors to your pie, remove some of those guys that are taking big slices of your pie. Uh, Some of those elements that that you're really investing in. Um, So the awareness of, Hey, I have X percentage of energy and where am I putting that energy is important. It's critically important. And if we're serious about being high achievers, if we're serious about, about maximizing our focus and our intentionality to what we're doing, then we have to be hyper aware of where our energy is going and, and where our spirit is invested at. And if we're not aware of that, then that that's awareness is page one. That's the, that's the high school level. You know, when you're talking about growing your pie or you're talking about, putting a percentage to your pie of where this is or where that's at, that's graduate level thinking. I think back to what coach Patton used to say at the Browns, there's two kinds there's high school level, there's a graduate level understanding of defense. And this is a, you know, this is graduate level thinking Well, gradual graduate level thinking of energy pie is thinking about how you can really uh, maximize your pie in terms of growing it and gaining more energy. What are activities that gain energy for us? And, you know, like I said, that's really another topic, but the, the essence of the thinking or the essence of the, um, of the theory revolves around, around an understanding of what, where, where am I going? Where am I investing? And then the second piece to that, that works hand in hand, um, is, uh, is being aware of, uh, of thinking, you know, sometimes scaling it back and thinking less, because when we have a lot on our minds or a lot in our thought process, now, all of a sudden we're taking away from our ability to really deepen our focus and what we need to deepen it in. So we've got to sometimes be able to take a step back and through things like meditation, through things like conversation, we can, we can do that. And, and, and we can really, we've really found that for a lot of players, you're able to, uh, you're able to make great strides and great growth because you're more locked in on what you're doing. You know, you're, you're more focused on what you're doing and, uh, that's what that's what everyone wants. You know, if you want to be if you want to be the highest achiever possible, if you don't want to be the highest achiever that you can be, then let's reshape your pie. But let's be honest about your pie. Let's not complain about not being the starting quarterback if you're not serious about what you where you want to invest your energy. If you're investing your energy and being on the golf course or playing cornhole or, or hanging out on the beach or doing summer, having a barbecue like let's be serious about where your, where your intentionality is. If that's where your focus is, because that's, that's you're sacrificing elements of energy within your pie. And that's, again, like I said before, I'm not somebody that's going to sit here and and I'm somebody that in my experiences and there will be more experienced people. I hope they get a chance to listen to this. So I don't want to, I'm not speaking from a position of arrogance, but I would say that in what I've experienced, you know, suffering and struggle is not a prerequisite for, success as i said earlier but i think it's important that there is a fee to be paid there is a fee to be paid there is a level of investment that needs to be paid and that's something that we talk about within that pie is an understanding of that investment and um you know if if we're not willing to make those investments uh within our focus within our soul then we need to really reflect on where we want to get to um and and that may be different from different that's not maybe that will be different for everybody
0: Joe, that's great and fascinating stuff. And uh, I definitely want to take you up on uh, getting you back here. Maybe we can have Dr. Pandia join you as well and, and focus on some more of these things. Um, but I guess the, the question I have in looking at this, uh, it can get really deep, and it's so much more difficult to coach than looking at uh, you know a quarterback's footwork or where his elbow might be. Like You can spot those real really quick on film and make the corrections and come up with drills and, and all those kinds of things. But I guess uh, from a practical standpoint, any quick tips you might have for, you know, the, the high school coach out there who's, you know, players are coming from that bell that rings at two forty five and they're out on the practice field at three and things are just moving and all kinds of things happen during the day. Um, any kind of practical tips, I guess, to be able to help those players, really get their focus, their mindfulness on what's going on so that you see the level of performance you want on the football field?
1: Well, yeah, I think that there's that's a great question. I think that there's two things that you, that you need to, um, that you need to think about and number or or need to execute or facilitate as a high school coach is you need to one, you need to, you need to convey to them uh, or, or provide them an opportunity to reset themselves. Right. And this is really, this is no different than you would, you know, this is very in line with um, the value of, of the values within the thought process behind meditation. Um, <clears throat> and that is, <clears throat> excuse me, that is, uh, you know, you need to be able to hit the reset button for yourself and be able to turn a new page. And not only philosophically, but sometimes literally You need to engage in some sort of a process that takes you from the school day to the football field. So it might be something where it might be a, a, you bring the team together and you have a reflection period. It sometimes can be, you know, more, easier done via position coach to player. It might be something where, you know, something that turns the intensity level up before a practice, a chant or something of that nature. You know, a lot of teams do different things like jumping jacks or things like that in terms of a team wide um, activity that kind of triggers like, Hey, this is the start of what we're going to do now. Let's turn the page. That's the psychology behind that. This is the start. Here's our battle cry we're going to start now. And then we, we turn the page and start. Um, the the one thing that I would convey, and this comes from this, this comes really from, uh, from almost from Buddhist teaching in a lot of ways, uh, is, you know, the one thing I would convey on the front end, um, is what we've developed, which is kind of like the athlete's eightfold path, as opposed to, you know, from a, you know, subtracting kind of the religious element to that, uh, the athlete's eightfold path, which involves right view, right thinking, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness and right concentration. And by teaching those eight things, uh, in a, in a given setting, you know, prior to your practice can kind of lay down the bumpers, if you will, down the lane of, of getting to a a successful and productive day. Um, And I think by providing those kind of bumpers and putting those parameters on, on where you, where you want to be uh, you know, I think education is, is, is a critical piece. You have to be able to educate that into your team. You have to be able to coach your coach that into your team. Um, But I think that those two things, you know, really having a process where this is the end of what we've been doing. And now this is where we're focusing our intention at. And then, also, education on, hey, these are the eight, eight things that we want to, you know, live in. This is the space we want to live in. And we want to be aligned on these eight things of view, of thinking, you know, speech, action, livelihood, effort, mindfulness, and concentration. We want to all be aligned on those eight things. And when we're aligned on those eight things, we have the ability, no matter where we're at in our day, through great understanding of that reset process, if we can, de- we can kind of default back to those eight things. And that process of defaulting back is uh, is really what you hope to get to with your team just prior to to practice or game day starting.
0: Well, I would imagine it's also during the process of a practice, a game. I mean, there's going to be those things that uh, distract, right? Uh, it's there's there's an injury to a key player in the game. There's a bad call. The other, you know, uh, the the ball takes is a bad bounce and. Uh, it's in the other end zone unexpectedly. Like all those kinds of things come up and require the reset button as well. So I would imagine that if you put these things in place, you're working on them in practice, those are going to apply to the game as well. Yeah,
1: 100%, a hundred percent, a million percent. You know, that's the, that's, that's the essence of it is that these things are definitely going to happen. We're going to have bad things happen to us in the game. Can we get back to what we started with? Can we get back to where we were uh, in practice and walk through? Can we get back to that place? Uh, to in, in, you know, If we're not coaching those things into the practice, though, on the front end, then we'll never be able to get back to those things because we're not aware that they exist. I think the, the, the common theme that I would say, and maybe this would be the most insightful piece for any listener to take home with them, is you need to address these things tangibly. You can't act like they're not there or just hope that they show up. You need to address how to be mindful with your team. And just the process of it. You need to address that it's real. You need to address that it isn't necessarily mental toughness does not always mean that I've got to run. I've got to finish all 30 wind sprints in a certain amount of time. That's an element of mental toughness, a, a big element of mental toughness, but that's not the only element of mental toughness. And that's tough for some players and tough for some coaches to understand is that there's different, there's different elements that go into mental fortitude and, uh, you as a coach have to work to address those different elements in your practice, in your, in your speech to your team. And when I say speech, I don't mean speech in terms of the pregame hype speech or the pregame practice speech. I mean, speech in terms of how you talk uh, during individual, how you talk to a team, a player when you see him in the hallway of the high school, how you talk to a player when he pops into your office and you're on the phone with a recruit, you know, all these different things. How do you talk to them then? Are you consistent in what you're talking about? Are you consistent in who you are? Um, and those are the things that you've got to make sure you're doing on the front end to foster that that feeling of of mindfulness, and in turn, the development of your mental fortitude as a as a unit, as a team, um, and and for each of the players individually, because there is a huge personal element to this.
0: Joe, this is some great stuff. It's exciting to see uh, where you're going in your career, some of the innovation behind the things you're doing and you're developing. And um, I'm definitely going to take you up on having you back here uh, pretty quickly if we could. I know the the season's getting close for you, uh, keeping our fingers crossed. So hopefully we back get you back here soon. Um, Before we go, Joe, uh, if you would just share your contact and uh, how coaches might be able to communicate with you.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate the opportunity uh, to be here to get a chance to chat to you. I'd love the opportunity to come back. And, you know, this is kind of a, you know, as we're talking about mindfulness and we're talking about energy pie and we're talking about, you know, the athlete's eightfold path, these different pieces and things that I'm touching on, um, you know, we, we could we could spend an hour on each of those things individually and really get in the depth with those things. I'm excited to have the opportunity um, to do that, because I think to really have a great understanding, you do need to go deep on these things. You can't; uh, these are not surface level topics of discussion. They're deep level topic of discussion, and we, you know, the opportunity to come back and talk to that or speak on that would be amazing. Um, and uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to to share some of my own history and some of my own story as well, because it has been a, a really great experience so far, and I'm I'm hopeful that it continues to be such, uh, my contact information, uh, the best way to reach out to me quite honestly is either via email or via a uh, Twitter. So my Twitter handle is Joe Casper and the number eight, uh, and that's J O E K A S P E R and the number eight. And then my email, um, with Duke university is joseph.casper at duke.edu. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, a. Like I said, it's been a privilege to get a chance to chat to you, and I look forward to continuing the conversation ASAP.
0: Absolutely. I know you need to run to a uh, a meeting here, Joe, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was great to catch up with you, and we will talk again soon. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please check out the links for all our related content and podcasts that were mentioned in this particular episode. Please check out all we're doing with technique drills uh, for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. That includes our free shoulder tackle system, which we put together with the Seattle Seahawks, as well as our contact system for blocking, defeating blocks, and our advanced tackling system. Again, that's footballdevelopment.com for your youth programs, please check out what we're doing with the football development model. If you go to fdm.usafootball.com, you'll be able to see those and the resources, including our new Football for All podcast. We'd like you to be able to direct your youth community, your parents, your commissioners, your coaches to the Football for All podcast. Just a tremendous resource as you get ready for the season.